today's episode of I Wish My Boss Told Me That, we'll be talking about how to build great teams with Sanjeev Ravindranathan, our Director of Automation at AVMWEF. So Sanjeev, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Serge. And can I just say this? It's great to be on your podcast. I've been waiting. So thanks uh, for having me over. So you have 18 years of experience in several top companies uh, already. And I'm sure you've been dealing with a lot of different challenges in terms of managing teams, small teams or big teams, very engaged ones, maybe some disengaged ones. Uh, I remember very well when you joined. ABMBEF about two and a half years ago, I think, by now. Yeah. Uh, and I think the first role that you started in was quite a challenge. Uh, and yeah, I'm very, very proud uh, to have you here because I think what you've achieved already in those two and a half years is, is quite amazing. And I think we have already in ABMBEF one story of how you really turned around one team. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit in this podcast today, but let's start with with your career, right? Can you summarize a bit what you did in, in your career? Yeah, so as you said, 18 years, been a long and I would say checkered career from my point of view. Uh, the only clarification is yes, uh, it's, it's a couple of companies, HP and IBM, where majority of that time has been spent with one company. I think I would divide my uh, career into two halves. Uh, the first half, was basically us setting up a shared service center at that time back in 2002-2003 for HP. And because I was one of the first batches of people involved in setting up the shared service center, I actually ended up moving around quite a bit. So I did a number of roles Hmm. in the first half of my career. And I think one of the challenges that I faced with that, while it was a great experience moving around, was that before I could really get into the depth of any role, I would be needed in something because there was a new project or something new that was being done. So at that point in time, I think I did not think much beyond the excitement of taking on different roles. But then when my second half of my career started, where I really needed to kind of own a big operation uh, center, for example, one of the roles that I took was when we decided to go and outsource, I led the Bangalore delivery center for one of our operations. Mm. And that was kind of the first time that I was really managing a lot of people. I was managing processes, which I had very limited or no knowledge of it. And that lack of experience that I had, because I I kind of really moved across horizontals without really going deep into any of the verticals, kind of was a career uh, opener for me in terms of Mm. the first couple of years. I really challenged. I was out of my depth when it came to things like people management. I was out of my depth in terms of really having strong functional discussions on the processes. And I think for me at that point, it was a kind of, I wish my boss had told me that really you, what you should have probably done was maybe rather than getting excited about the shiny new toy, which is a new project or a new process, you should probably look at spending some time as tough as it may be and as challenging as it may be to get into the depth of what you're doing, because that's when you go through a cycle of, the ups and downs, like you said, right? Going through a disengaged team, going through an engaged team, going through tons and tons of escalations because of a broken process, but at the same time, also managing a process after you've gotten through that phase helps you learn uh, a lot. And I think that's what I really spent the second half of my uh, career doing, really getting into the depth. And 
rather than kind of doing very different roles, I focused on expanding my uh, role in terms of the proficiency building that. So for example, besides managing one delivery center, taking up a couple of delivery centers and then expanding. So that way I was able to not just expand the horizontal, but really go deep down into the processes. And I think that helped me really learn a lot um, as a person, as an individual, as a manager, as a colleague, um, and even as a direct report. So, yeah, wow, that's that's uh, that's a great career learning, no? And I think one that a lot of people will will go through because you see clearly nowadays as well when when we talk to young people who join us that after nine months they're already knocking at you know our door saying, okay, what's my next challenge? What's the new thing I'm going to do? The new thing you're going to stretch me on, etc. But you need to go in some roles through this kind of curve where you start something, you open gaps, you start changing things in your team, but then you need to see it through, right? That you can really implement all these changes because just opening gaps and putting out their new ideas, I think is, is easy. Everybody can do, but implementing them through the hard times, you know, through the, the drawbacks, the, the challenges that you will face, that's, that's the part where you really learn how to implement big changes, right? How to get your team along. This you cannot do in nine months, right? This you need to do in, in two, maximum three years. So it's a good learning. So if you go too fast to new roles, great. You learn new skills to a certain extent, but you don't go through the challenging times and you kind of limit your learning as well, right? Yeah. yeah. Great. That's yeah. A, good, a good learning. So let, let's talk a little bit about teams, right? Because I think that's one of your strengths for sure in the, in the time that we've worked together. I saw that you came in, uh, you started leading one of uh, of our teams which at that time was was quite disengaged i think the engagement score was something like 58 if i'm not mistaken um so can you talk a little bit about what what are your views on on how to manage and turn around a disengaged team yeah i mean you're right when i came in um along with the challenge of working in a new organization with a very different culture. Um, it was working with a team that also was quite new to the company, a team that we had acquired, right, from another vendor. And so yep. it was suddenly hundreds and thousands of people coming in from a very different culture to a completely unique culture or alien to them. So I think what, what I saw when I came in, the challenge that I saw was, um, it was it was not anything complex, but more about, I think if I put it in certain principles, I think the first thing that I saw that needed to be imbibed in the team was a kind of sense of purpose. And which is people were just doing stuff because they were told to do stuff because they had what we call today the so-called SLA that you have to do something in one day or two days. But nobody understood why am I being pushed to do something in one or two days? Why is it no. that I have to ensure that the quality of what I'm doing is at a certain level? Is it just about the number? It wasn't just about the number. So kind of giving the team that sense of purpose to say, today, what you're doing and connecting the dots with how that really impacts the organization in the end, from the organization's credibility, from the organization's mm -hmm. cash flow, from the organization's PL, to every little thing that everybody was doing in the team. And what this kind of really did was it gave a sense of responsibility that people knew that I'm not doing things because I'm told to do this, these things. I'm doing these things because I know why they are important to do these things. And then they start understanding the bigger picture of what they're doing. That for me was the first thing that I wanted to kind of instill 
in the team, that mm. sense of purpose. Yeah, it's kind of giving them a, a, an understanding of how they fit into the company, but also give the, the team some kind of a, a dream or a, or a goal, I assume, right? Yeah, it, it was it was about that. It was about that. And once once they got that sense of purpose, I think the, the, the challenge that came in, which for me is also point number two, was the belongingness and the confidence. So mm. when they didn't get the sense of purpose and when there were lots of escalations flying around, when there was a disengaged team around, I think everybody were kind of low on confidence and they were wondering, what can I do more? If I'm just, for example, going to book an invoice, or if I'm just going to create a master data is that really going to help propel me in my uh, career, right? So there, what us as a leadership team worked with the team was we said, man, there are people doing tons and tons of things and everybody wants to succeed in their career, right? I think the first and most important thing as a manager is to understand that everybody wants to be successful in their career. There are, There is no one who doesn't want to be. It's just about how yeah. you can tap into that feeling of them wanting to succeed and how you can really show them the path. So we try to try to create platforms in which besides what people were doing in their day-to-day -day jobs, we gave everybody an opportunity to do something beyond that, which would create tremendous value for the organization. So to bring it kind of uh, home in terms of what we did, if I look at the master data team, besides creating and modifying master data, which kind of can seem very transactional, when the team understood the sense of purpose in terms of connecting the dots with what they're doing, we gave them the opportunity to go beyond just that and look at areas that master data impacts or gets impacted by and go and help sort out mm. those processes from an end-to-end -end standpoint. So what that did was it allowed people to realize that they were really driving value back to the organization beyond their area, right? So it kind of gives you that feeling that, man, I'm not just doing my job, but I'm also helping others be more successful in their job. And then that started instilling a lot of confidence in people. And when they started seeing the results, because with that, the team started getting recognized in, in, in our common forums. A lot of people started getting recognitions, teams started getting recognitions and people started feeling, man, I belong in this organization and I want to do a lot more with this confidence, new confidence that I have. So for me, that was another key thing that we were able to drive. With the yeah, that was, by the way, an amazing story. The MDM, the Master Data Management Team, is one of the stories that I, I tell a lot now uh, when we talk about uh, the GCC and how to turn around a team from a transactional type of, let's say, service center type of team to, to a smart operation, let's call it, right? So I think what you did there in that team is, is, is incredible, right? Because as you said, right, they started as a team that was doing, creating customers or creating suppliers or, you know, doing the transactions not really knowing what, what that means. But then I think in about one year time, the, it was one of the top performing teams in, in the office, right? Who delivered, I think it was $12 million yep. to the bottom line of ABMBEF last year, $12 million for people who were supposed to do or who were before doing, I say, transactional tasks. Uh, and I think engagement in that team went up to around 91%. So super engaged team. Again, in a team that if you would look from the outside and you would tell a very talented young professional man, you can go and work in the master data team, they would probably think twice and say, man, do I really need to go work in that team? But it was kidding? one of the most, yeah, are you kidding? <laughs> it was one of the most engaged teams delivering amazing results and also through technology, right? I think, uh, remember, by the way, Vinod, who we had here in the, in the podcast as well, he was also involved 
in, in really turning around that team. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, fantastic job where, where, where the combination of the transformation mindset that Vinod brought and the learning mindset that the rest of the team brought. And man, that, that, that's so important that the teams kind of really feel like they want to collaborate a lot. Mm. And Vinod was one of the key leaders, right? And, and that kind of brings me also to the third point, which was the leadership style that we wanted to drive in the team. And here, I know you love football, Serge, and I know you love Barcelona. So I want to bring the example for my third topic. Barcelona now, I know, is a little I, difficult to like, I given know, the recent I know, results. I know. But yeah. this is the Barcelona of yesteryears. <laughs> Barcelona of yesteryears. Okay. So, yeah. so if we if you look at the the the, the tactics that that we kind of uh, use for the managers in the team, and if I draw a parallel with Barcelona, um, so the the tactic that Barcelona uses is it's very nice to look at Barcelona on TV or look at them playing football, but as a player to integrate into that team is extremely challenging mm. because. That team uses high-pressure tactics. And high-pressure tactics is, number one, they have to keep the ball for 60-70% of the time. But don't just keep the ball. They need to be keeping the ball with attacking play. And that's very difficult to do. And even off the ball, they're forced to use high-pressure tactics to not allow the team, the opposing team, to keep that ball. To do that requires extremely high levels of stamina, extreme level of alignment and um, acceptance of the philosophy. Because if you don't accept that philosophy, it's going to be very difficult for you to walk into the training ground day after day and to show that same level of energy on the ground. Mm. So with the leaders, it was the same thing. We, we, when we got them in, we, we kind of made some changes initially in the beginning. We said, okay, who do we really believe we can really invest in for this? And we kind of made people who we didn't believe were really having that uh, thing to do some really important jobs, but to kind of support the leaders. But with the leaders, we got them in and we said, Guys, it's going to be extremely tough for you. It's going to be gruesome because what's going to happen is we're going to push you for results like crazy, but we're also going to challenge you to make sure that your teams are engaged. So mm. how do you strike the balance between keeping a highly engaged team that you can really push like crazy to deliver results and achieve fantastic things, right? So initially, it was that integration phase for the leaders was extremely challenging because people were like, Man, on the one hand, you're expecting so many results and so much of results so quickly. But on the other hand, the more I push my team, my team is giving me feedback. And every time I get feedback from my team, you're at my desk asking me what I'm going to do about it. And that was kind of a very difficult thing for uh, the managers in the beginning. But as they started getting used to it and as they started integrating into that style of play, they started mm. seeing results coming from them uh, for, for themselves. They also saw that the feedback that was coming from managers was not something to where they would look and say oh no he's pointing a finger at me but they started looking at that as something for them to develop as leaders because that that feedback system started allowing managers to really start looking at okay as i'm pushing my team this is the feedback that i'm getting how can i evolve my feedback to get to a common ground with my manager right i mean sorry with my uh, employees so that really then started creating a system which became difficult in the beginning for any manager to integrate into that system. No. But once they integrated into that system, that style of play really started creating, I would say, a flywheel effect for leaders. Yeah, but that's a tough balance to find you know, as, as, a, as a manager or a first-time manager. This, this balance between pushing the team hard, right? Putting pressure, expecting results, right? And, and driving, let's say, yeah, better, better outputs. But at the same time, making sure that you support the team. Yeah? What I saw a lot is, is a lot of 
managers and for sure, uh, let's say first time managers need to find that balance. And, and sometimes they spend too much time on the one side and they're just pressing and pressing and putting pressure on the team without really supporting or developing the team. And then the team gets completely burned out, loses the trust or the other way around, which is, man, I'm not going to pressure them too much. I'm going to do the basic expectations. I'm going to make everybody happy. Yeah? Let's make a team happy. And uh, But you need to find this balance between having an engaged team, so supporting, but at the same time putting pressure, right? So people go out of their comfort zone, learn new things, deliver amazing results. So this, this balance is not easy to find, right? It isn't. And, and, and that's why while anyone can do a leadership role, the truth is it's probably not for everyone also right hmm. because it, it it is i mean and, and i use this cliched statement when you think of leadership roles is uh, tomato is a fruit but you can't make fruit salad with tomato right in other words you can't use a one size fits all for everything that you do everything that you do has to be a function of the ecosystem that you're in the person that you're talking to on the other side the capability of yourself your team your individuals and how can you kind of really optimize all the resources at your disposal to make the best mm. results, right? And if you think whatever happens, whether it's person X or person Y, I'm going to approach it this way because this is the rule, so-called rule of leadership. You're always going to see that it may work for a few people. It won't work for another set of people. And you will always struggle to get the best out of your team. So that's where that balance is not very logical in nature. And that's why... Leadership, while mm. there is a science to it, for me, it's a it's a big art. It's a big art, yeah. but something that can be acquired through experience as long as you have that willingness to listen to feedback and learn. Yeah, that's why I think for me, um, us putting a feedback system um, in place, a continuous feedback system in place, because typically, a, a lot of organizations and 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 this is how it generally works, right? We we do have our annual engagement surveys and we kind of do a mid year pulse check, and then you use that feedback to kind of really see what's going wrong and what can I do to improve. But we also know that continuous feedback is really important because when it comes to people's emotions and uh, people's confidence and people's expectations, it's a very dynamic setup. What works for an individual today in two months or three months mm. down the line would be ob obsolete. So one of the first things we did was let's, let's make sure we have a continuous feedback, two-way feedback system in place because it was equally and probably more important to get feedback from your team um, rather than just get feedback from your manager. So in other mm. words, when, when I used to do my town halls and don't kill me for this search, I used to tell my team that I probably learn more from my team than from my manager because my manager sees one side of me, which probably sometimes is my best side, right? But my team actually sees me day in and day out and they see the good and the bad and the things, they, they actually tend to see a lot of things that I could improve on. And if you can really create a system mm. where you can get that feedback from your team and be ready to accept that feedback, I think there's tremendous amount of learning that you can have as a leader from your team. So by mm. putting that system for myself, for my leads, for everybody, we were making sure that we were getting a continuous feedback, which resulted in a continuous ev evolution for us as leaders. And I think that was instrumental for us because... Leaders are not perfect. Leaders are nothing but first among equals in a team. They may have a little bit more experience than the people that they're working with, right? But they are humans. They are going to make mistakes. No. And just like the team needs feedback from their managers to improve, leaders also need a lot of feedback.
to keep it. Yeah, uh, so how, how would you get that that feedback on, let's say, your leadership style or the things that you could improve? How, how would you get that feedback from your team? So we, we, we try to kind of use an omni-channel mechanism. So the, the first mechanism was obviously the standard where we would kind of do a dipstick survey uh, with the entire team. Then, but, but that would give you some amount of feedback that would give you in kind of in terms of scores that would tell you, okay, 70% of this team is engaged with their manager and 30% isn't, right? No. But then we wanted to also get a lot more input. So then we would actually have surveys. So one of the leaders in my team, for example, set up what we would call a hot seat process where once a month he would start and then he would get the rest of his leaders to sit in the center of the room quite literally. Um, this was Hitesh who was working with us, who'd sit in the room in the center, get everybody in his leadership team or his directs to come and sit around him and give him feedback straight on his face in terms of what they think he could do better and what he could improve, right? And then what, um, for example, one of the things that I did was... Uh, I, I would, and I learned this from you, Serge, was I actually shared my 360-degree feedback with my team, mm. where I got yeah. feedback from my peers, from my leaders, from different stakeholders. I, and I went to my team and I said, these are some of the things that are working well for me. These are some of the things that are not working well for me. And I got the team to kind of elaborate from their viewpoint. Why do, you, why do they think stakeholders will give their view? And it was amazing. A lot of the feedback that stakeholders gave in terms of what I could improve my team could relate to that because they've seen that in first person, right? <laughs> Working with me. Yeah. So you could really connect the dots in terms of, because you would wonder why is the stakeholder saying this to me? But then your team would be able to rationalize it and explain it to you and that would give a lot of uh, good feedback. What we also did is we, specific leaders in the team, we sent out surveys to the team and said, Sanjeev as a leader, for example, do not look at Sanjeev as the tower lead, but Sanjeev as a leader, three things that you think Sanjeev can do better three things that you think Sanjeev should continue doing. And then also, we did that for quite a few leaders. We got a lot of good inputs. And then mm. through these various mechanisms where we would create the option of whether we wanted it to be anonymous or less anonymous. So in the beginning, what was interesting was we were getting a lot of anonymous feedback and we were getting a lot of uh, strong feedback, right? But what we did was we went back to the team and we ensured that no one felt that however non-constructive the feedback was or however pointed the feedback was that they, we made them feel bad about that feedback, we just tried to address the root cause because what we looked at was even if there was strong anonymous feedback, that is not the issue. That's a symptom of something that's much more deeper in terms of the problem. So we said, let's try and go back to the root cause and try and address that. And what was really interesting was towards the end of that one-year cycle, we started seeing a lot more of the feedback was coming out in open mm. forums, for example, in town halls, direct feedback that was coming and the feedback became less anonymous, which really showed that it takes time to build an environment where people feel they can yeah. share their feedback openly without a kind of backlash coming through, right? So yeah, 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 that's, that's it. Man, that's a, that's a great approach. I love the hot seat. I think it's a great concept. Not an easy one, right? In two ways, because I think people will be very, let's say, doubtful indeed to share their feedback in the beginning, right? As you said, because they would not be very comfortable sharing it if it's not anonymous. Yeah? Uh, but second, also for the leader, very tough to sit there and to listen to all this, this feedback, right? It sounds very easy to do. What you're saying, it sounds like very easy, but I think it's very tough to sit there, to get the feedback straight in the face, 
from people because you'll be talking about the things that you're not good at, right? Or that your team somehow has as a feedback for you. So it's very confrontational, I think, for yourself, right? Yes, it is. I mean, no. I mean, and that's that's why I said it's it's not easy to be a leader, and definitely not le- easy to be a leader in our team because we are putting a lot of onus on the no. leader to kind of go beyond ego and stuff like that and re- be ready to accept the hard truth, which may not be no. easy to hear. But if you don't hear it, but listen to it, there's a lot to learn from it. Yeah, no, no, no. great, man. We talked about a lot of things here, right? So if I just summarize in a couple of points. Some of the, the the key learnings that you had to to create an engaged team. What you're saying is first start with some some kind of a sense of purpose, right? Give people a, a dream and a clear understanding of how they fit within within the company, right? How they contribute to the results of the company. Then you talked about a sense of belonging, right? That they really belong into the team. They're part of this 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 family. Um, then high pressure tactics putting pressure but at the same time supporting right and then the the last one we talked about here is getting feedback from uh, from your team directly right and really accepting that feedback being open for the feedback and and learning out of it so i think some great tips for you know first time managers or just managers overall right i think these are things that we might not always think of to to put in place when we when we manage a team yeah, and, and I think most importantly, Serge, is, is for the team, results are supremely important, right? We can't mm. survive in this place without um, uh, basically getting the results that are needed. But if the focus is only on the results, I think you tend to look at shortcuts or you tend to create mm. a pressure environment that becomes difficult to sustain. So for me, what's really important for everybody as a leader or as a team is to put the focus on the process. Get your process right. Get your fundamentals right, which includes enjoying your job, being sincere with your job, sticking to really doing what's the right thing for the company, for the team. And then the results actually become a byproduct of a process. And that's how the mentality has to be. Because I think if you apply all of this and you focus on the process, everything starts getting taken care of by itself. Uh, that's that's what I call people first, basically, right? So what I've learned over that period of time, and it's very similar to what you said when you made this this kind of change in your career from moving very fast, but more focused on yourself to the second half of your career where you moved a little bit slower between roles and were more focused on the teams. It's, I had a similar type of learning. If you put people first as a leader and you make sure that you develop your people, that you support your people, but you put pressure on your people. You're, you're spending all your time on your team. They will they will deliver the results, right? So as a leader, you don't need to deliver the results anymore. You focus on how the results are being made, how you develop an amazing team, and you will see the results coming out of that team. Very much like a coach of a of a football or a cricket team, right? They're not on the pitch. They're not playing. They're not even touching the ball, but they're just focusing on how to support and, and coach their, their team members. Yep. yep, exactly. That's all it is. Very good, man. What a session. So a lot of, a lot of insights, a uh, couple of things, probably five things that we can take away here as uh, things we wish our boss had told us that before. So great to have you here on the podcast, Sanjeev. I think it was uh, 
really nice some great great insights of uh, of your career and how to manage teams so thanks for joining us here today sharing your uh, insights thank you Serge it was good fun having this discussion with you thank you for listening to us we'll meet again soon with more interesting stories and insights that will make you think I wish my boss told me that cheers cheers